I don't want you to compete with any of them. I want you to compete with you from yesterday. Hello, friends. Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Bridging Divides podcast, where we help individuals who are looking to bridge the divides in their own lives. Uh, and we do that by finding individuals like my guest here today uh, who have bridged some of the divides in their lives and are seeking to uh, do, the, do that as well uh, in the world around them. So our guest here today is Doug Campbell, the president of Calling Media. Hello. Um, so got a couple things here to, to introduce you, uh, and we'll just kind of riff back and forth here as we go forward. Um, so in elementary school, and this one I, I really liked, uh, and I love that you even that you even included it in the in the answers that you gave back, and I was like, yeah, this uh, his head's in a in a good space here. So elementary school, you were selected to be a peer mediator, uh, and so I just thought that that was cool. It, Tell me a little bit more about what that meant yeah. to be a yeah. peer mediator. Well, well, first and foremost, just thanks so much for having me on the show. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Um, I, uh, I found it interesting, you, you, the, the questionnaire, right, the prep work was, yeah. what are some accolades? And I was thinking about like, oh, there's, there's all these little random things throughout your life, but somehow like the sixth one on the list doesn't make it, right? It, yeah, it yeah. becomes normal. And, and I was reflecting on so many of those little things the ones that had the biggest impact yeah. were some that were early on, right? Um, and uh, sure enough, some teacher got in her head from probably a conference or, I mean, they didn't have podcasts back then, but a book <laughs> or something. Uh, that, How to deal with ridiculously crazy kids. Yeah, what do you do with a bunch of 10-year-olds that are starting <laughs> fights on the playground? Uh, and her answer was to grab a handful of us and teach us how to mediate conflict and de-escalation and opening people up, giving them a safe space to sort of get their feelings out. Uh, and... It was really interesting. I mean, there's the, the cynical side where they were just, you know, picking the kid in the room that was going to cause a problem. Like, no, you're on our <laughs> side now. <laughs> Maybe that saved them some headaches. Yeah. But, uh, but no, it's interesting because you, a lot of those skills ended up translating uh, as you grow up and get into the workforce, right? There's all kinds of conflict around you, right? 100%. And, and that's a divide between people, right? And you've got to help them bridge that gap. You've got to sit yep. down between them and help them get it out there. Uh, and it helps with coaching. It helps with mentoring. It um, yeah, but it all started because I was just enough of a punk at 10 years old that they're like, all right, we're going to recruit you on this side uh, of the fence. I love that. No, and, and that's, it's interesting I, uh, when I reflect on, because um, I'm super ADD. I'm all over the place. I'm crazy and whatever. And, you know, my parents half the time or probably more than that didn't know what to do with me. But um, they, as well as several key people in my life, were, they had, the, I don't know, they, it, the foresight to, to, instead of just being like, would you just shut up and hold still? Channeling it, you sure. know? This kid won't shut up in class. Have him teach part of the class. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Or if it's like, if he can't sit still, have him do something to help. So it's yeah. like they, they channeled kind of those aspects of, of my personality. Yeah, and it's so interesting to see interesting. how people find ways to do that in yeah. a constructive way mm -hmm. and find ways to do that in sort of like a... I don't want to say destructive, but just inefficient way. Yeah. I was, uh, I was like, one of the other pieces that's on there is a teacher that I worked with um, in high school. He, was, he ended up teaching me, I think it was seven years worth of high school because it was two of English in freshman year, okay. four years of Latin, an English year in senior year when he taught AP English. Um, and I remember as a little kid, I found out what the, the meaning of the term fool's errand. I'd be annoying in class, and the teacher would say, hey, I need you to run this note to the office. And it wasn't until fourth or fifth grade that I was confident enough, arrogant enough, whatever, that I decided to look at the note. And one of the notes literally was just send him right back. Like, it was a fool's errand. Like, that's what the whole purpose. He's a fool. Get him out of here. Get him out of our hair so we can go back to teaching. Um, that's wild. And, and I remember Tom, Tom Turk, the, the teacher in high school, he would do the same thing that you did. Like, he knew I wasn't doing the homework. He knew I wasn't paying attention to class, but he knew I had the material down. And that's yeah. why I was, I was bored. I wasn't right. annoyed. Uh, I wasn't just being a jerk. Um, so I'd come into class and he'd be like, hey, Doug, I, I want you to run the lecture today. Uh, and it engaged me with the material. It forced me to understand it and work with a class. And, and all of a sudden, like you said, give it a channel. Give it an outlet. Yeah. Find that thing that you have and figure out where it fits, yep. right? We don't need to force a fit anywhere. You just yeah. gotta find out what the pieces are and find the fit. Oh, and I love that. And there's actually something later on that we'll talk about um, where you kind of, 
you mentioned something similar to that, and we'll, we'll get to that here in just a minute because I think, I think uh, that it was really interesting. A um, couple other things here. Um, you entered the entrepreneurial space uh, around that same time by running a snack and candy bar at lunch, and you made enough money to take the entire sixth grade to see a movie, which was great. Um, you are in a few plays as a kid, uh, which you said made you more gregarious, uh, which, which is, that's, a, that's a good word choice there. Um, I love that, though, because I was also, I was in plays and musicals and, you know, always the center of attention. And you know, I always tell my wife about starting this podcast, and she's like, oh, you're going you're gonna to love that. You, you love being the center of attention. <laughs> you know, everybody's watching it, you know. Now, I guess, just getting people to watch it and listen to it, I guess, is now the... <laughs> yeah, just put something good out there. People now, consume yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I liked this here because this, this, I feel like, kind of led to how we, um, how we kind of met each other. So later in college, you worked with one of your former high school teachers to publish a few papers, um, and then later on you're invited to speak uh, in several locations, which um, you and I met at a conference in Phoenix, a training expo, which, uh, what, what did you say it was called? Uh, the APSA Refresh Expo. There you go. Okay, yeah. awesome. Yeah, and I don't even know if I could repeat that back <laughs> to you if I tried. So I'm glad that you're here with me. Um, no, but I love that, though. Uh, and you were there, um, which what initially kind of drew me to you was the, the bridge that you were building, the divide that you were bridging, if you will, um, with, um, marketing, hmm. you know, and, and just how you, uh, I think the thing that really kind of was like, Oh, I gotta talk to that guy. You talked about networking, how networking is like, you're walking around with half a bridge and then you find somebody that has the other half of that bridge and then boom, all of a sudden yeah, you're able to, yeah. to it, bridge that gap, the divide, you know, I, I don't know exactly what you called it, but I thought that that was so cool. And it's like, Ooh, I gotta talk to this guy. And, yeah, it's, you know, see it's, it's such an interesting thing that I think people miss. And it sort of falls out of the, the different stories that we went through there. So as a little kid, I was a nerd, just a bookworm, yeah. right? I was, I was alone with my books. That's all I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I wanted to push myself. I wanted to get out there more. And that's why I started doing plays and things like that. Awesome. But then when I got to college and I wrote these papers, uh, it was with that same teacher who made me teach the classes. Uh, and part of it was he realized that, oh, because I'm ADD, card carrying, right? Um, they, <laughs> card carrying, right? But he In realized there was, there was there was something he had to separate there, like the cause and effect. There is Doug not paying attention in class because he's bored, or is he not paying attention in class because he can't because he's ADD? And yeah. where's the line? And so mm -hmm. we we talked about it. We went through it. We read some books together, and then we wrote some papers. We got invited to speak about it. And in his mind, that was going to be easy for Doug because he always saw me as this sort of gregarious, outgoing class clown. And for me, it had always been in character, right? There's the real Doug who just wants to lay alone in a bed with a book. That's all I want to do, right? It turns out I'm actually very, very introverted. That's, that, that's and why I never, I never would have guessed that. Yeah. like I, I you and... And, I've, and it's funny because you'll get good at things and then you'll do them because you're good at them and you'll get known for doing them and people think that's what you want to do. But in your terms, what actually gives me energy that's I want to sit alone and think. That's what actually gets me going. So and after those events, you're just like drained. Yeah, and and that's for and, and when he asked me to do this, and then I'm like, like, I'm writing a paper. <laughs> okay, that's fine. But when I had to go speak, it, it it destroyed me because I was never me on stage when I was in plays or musicals or any of that. Right? I was I was a character. I was just play, even in high oh, school. See, I was just playing this role that I thought people wanted me to be so I could be cool or whatever. So you could like hide, kind of hide behind exactly that. right. Like I'm wearing a mask. Yeah, right? To this day, I love wearing sunglasses when I'm in an uncomfortable situation because it feels like it's that emotional separation from the That's audience. It's funny, and I, something I noticed, my wife was like, you got to stop touching your face when you're on camera because <laughs> like, I'm like doing a video, and I'm like, you know, she's like, oh, my gosh, yeah. put your freaking hands down. Yeah, right? <laughs> and now I, now that I say that, nobody's, they're going to watch this and be oh. like, the guy keeps touching his face. <laughs> well, and any good uh, body language expert will say, oh, it's, it's, it's a sign of embarrassment. You're trying to shield something, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. I was doing that emotionally by playing through characters. So that's that's and fascinating. So, I love that. So then when he forced me to go out there on stage and be Doug and be me out there, it was very different. And it wasn't until I started doing that that I realized... Uh, much later on that I was actually more introverted than extroverted uh, and that I just happened to be good at it. I happened to enjoy it. Um,
but yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned the networking piece, and I, it's funny that. because I didn't. I was always in in my head, all the success, all of the gaps I needed to bridge in my life was going to come from knowledge and contemplation and reflection and self improvement. That was what was always going to do it. Yeah, and. At about 35 years old, I turned around and said, you know, I got a philosophy degree. I was going to be a lawyer. And every move on my life, my career path, every one of those involved, it wasn't my resume that opened the door. Mm. It wasn't my degree. It wasn't what I knew. Mm. It was those connections I had. It was people that knew me and said, hey, Doug, I know you and I see a spot. And that's when I realized that I was walking around with half a bridge. I have a skill uh -huh. set, I have a knowledge base, I have uh -huh. something I can add, and yeah. somebody else is wandering around with half a bridge. And if you don't make the effort to find those things, then you'll never connect it, right? Yeah. Somebody else in your life is walking around with the other half of the bridge. And so often I see people who are ashamed that they only have half a bridge. Mm. So they walk into a room full of people and they assume that everybody else has all the success and they're yeah. bridging all these gaps in their lives uh -huh. and everything's just working. Yeah. And they don't want to talk about what they've got because what they have isn't finished yet. Yeah. It's not enough to talk about. Mm -hmm. oh, I've only got this one thing. Yeah. I can, I'm good at public speaking, but I have nothing to say. Yeah. Right? And, and then you meet somebody else who's like, I have a message that I need to get out there. Love right? And, and then you're able to connect because 100%. when you get over that fear of, oh, what I have isn't enough. Mm -hmm. And you walk around and realize we all have something that's less than enough. But if we pool it together and we work together, you'll find opportunities. Yeah, some, one of the things I like to say is that bridges are built from two sides, mm -hmm. but you have to lay the first brick. Yeah. You know, you're never going to meet the person that somebody else is gonna be like, oh, well, they succeeded because they know that person. Like, you're never gonna meet that person unless you get out there and get to know that person, you know? It's like some people will say, oh, well, they, it's all about who you know, and that's why they succeeded. Well, like, well, no, duh. It's all about who you know, but don't use that as an excuse to sit on your butt. Like if you feel like you don't know anybody, go out and get to know them. Yeah. You know, like well, if you've got to, you've got to, you can't use that as an excuse to not never get out the door, to never get off the couch. You know, that's why I love networking so much is because it's like one, you, you surround yourself in a better, in an environment where people are succeeding and growing and they've got this growth mindset and all this other stuff, you know, and then who knows if the person with the other half of what you're trying to do is out there. Yeah. But you got to get out there and get to know them. Yeah. And I find it so interesting that I've met so many people who believe firmly that the only answer is who you know. Mm -hmm. And, and nepotism is a thing, right? Oh, that happens, right? But, but if you look at like your network of people, mm -hmm. you don't just know people you know people with certain half bridges, mm. right? It wasn't just that I had a circle of friends who were able to go out and be successful and do things. Yeah. It's that they knew me as the analytical kid. Yeah. They knew me as the smart kid or the one who could stand up and talk, right? And then you know another one who's like, oh, I know that person's really good at art or I know this person's really good at math or whatever it is. So you still have to have the what you know. Because once I know, I, I meet people who all they are is who you know and they know a million people. And at some point they have enough network effect that what they are is the connector, right? So you know a connector. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But there's, you know, I, I, early on, if I hadn't taken these steps and, like you said, push yourself to network, push yourself to go out there, to put yourself out there a little bit, um, if you don't do that, then I was sitting around with a whole bunch of what I know, yeah. but no who's. And yeah. there's other people with a ton of who's, but not great what's. And yeah, you that's... have to have both because once I meet you, my next question is, well, great, who the heck are you? Yeah. What do you have? What what's are, going yeah, on? Yep, 100%. No. And I, I love that. Um, and I, something I found is that I love connecting. I love coming in, finding all of the half bridges and then going, oh, well, hey, you know, there's this person over here and then there's this person over here. And I go, holy crap, these guys, these, they, these people need to meet each other. You know, I love that. Um, so um, we kind of talked about a, a few fun facts, but I, I'm going to want to get to this one here. What I thought, when, when I was reading the whole thing about the, the the candy and, and snack bar uh, to take the entire sixth grade movie. I was like, I wonder how big that sixth grade class was. You know, because if it was like my school, it was like the sixth grade class was like 10 people, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I was homeschooled, but yeah. No, but like, what, what did that look like? So yeah, it was Holy fun. Crap, like, I, it crazy. ended up being, so the, the whole longer story is it ended up being like 120 kids. We, um, we had this idea that we wanted to go on 
like to, to take our class, yeah, just yeah. like 30 kids in our mm-hmm. class to see a movie. And they were like, well, you'd have to get permission. It'd have to be the right movie. It'd have to be this. And then Schindler's List comes out and we're like, <laughs> hey, I mean, I know we got to get paperwork because it's rated R or whatever, but like we don't, you know, this is a good one. It's an educational opportunity. That's and they're a fantastic like, movie. And they're too. like, well, listen, everybody's got to pay money to get in and all these things. Could go see Rambo. Yeah. <laughs> and we're, we're, at, we're at this school event, and I don't remember what it was, but there's this old beat-up snack shack from when there used to be a Little League that played on those fields. And we're like, hey. We get the, we, we, get the gears. Yeah, the wheels start turning. Yeah, and we're yeah. like, wait a minute, wait a minute, mm. wait a minute. So we ended up getting permission to run a snack bar. And so... We sold, you know, popcorn and candy and juice, you know, Kool-Aid or whatever mm-hmm. to all these kids. And, you know, there were parents involved because they had to go to Costco or back then it was Price Club, I guess. But they had to go and buy all this stuff. But we yeah. had to learn about, like, what's our inventory look like and yeah. what's our margin look yeah. like because we got to pay back the parents mm-hmm. and we need to have this money. And we ended up, we had another teacher who was big on you just got to ask just ask right it was another good lesson is it Ooh, is, the worst one. answer is no that's just a, ask that's a good one so she had gotten us one time to be able to go to a restaurant a nice restaurant because she said look these kids need to learn how to eat out they need to learn how to do this respectfully and responsibly so they said sure come on over so four or five sixth grade classes so 120 kids go to see schindler's list we take over like an yeah. entire movie theater uh we go see that and then everybody goes back to school Except for our class, like 25 kids, where we had enough money left over to pay for them to go back to that restaurant and go dine out. So we went to a movie and then we took like just our group out yeah, yeah. Uh, for, for dinner because we, we figured out how to run a business, right? Just a little bit. You know, you, you needed seed money, you needed margin, you needed keep track of all this. Uh-huh. And there were regulatory hurdles, right? The school saying, no, you can't sell gum. No, you can't sell sunflower seeds. Not on our campus. That's going to be trash yeah, everywhere, yeah. right? So we had to... You know, we had to learn by you know these different rules and hurdles that we had to work through. Uh, so it ended up being this really interesting microcosm, this little you know, entrepreneurial education, really early on. That's that's fascinating, and I, and, and one of the again, I mean, one of the reasons why I love talking to people with that entrepreneurial spirit is because of that attitude of if there is a divide, instead of going like, oh crap, this sucks, you go, oh well, what do we need to do to you know, to get over it. Yeah. You know, how do we bridge that? How do we, you know, uh, come up with a solution as opposed to just going, well, we can't, we can't fix this problem. So you yeah, know, that sucks. It's funny. We're I, not going to go to a movie. Yeah. I mean, I spent enough time as a sales manager where I had a, an interesting perspective that sort of shifted over the last couple of years, but it originally started with when people see hurdles and they say, I'm going to use that as something to work through. And I, I really want it, so I'm going to go for it. Or I'm going to use that as an excuse to say no. Mm-hmm. Right? As a sales guy, you go out there and you ask for the sale. Okay. And they say, no, because I'm busy. Well, if you really wanted it, you would make mm-hmm. time for it, right? Mm-hmm. Or, no, I can't afford it. Well, if you really wanted it, you would forego this other expense yeah. and, and, and find the budget for it. So instead of saying, I can't afford it, you say, how can I afford it? Exactly right. Okay. And it came down to how badly they wanted it, yeah. right? Um, and then over time, I began to realize that that was only sort of one side of the equation. One side is how bad you want it. Mm-hmm. And that gets weighed against how much you think you can do about it. There's some people that might want it real bad, but they just don't have the confidence or the skills or whatever it is that says to them, oh, I can get over that hurdle, Yeah. right? Some people see a tiny hurdle and they really don't want the thing and they're like, oh, see, there's a little hurdle, I'm out. Uh, like- but some people see what, what would be a reasonable hurdle and really want to get to the other side and look themselves in the mirror and say, oh, but I don't have what it takes to get over that hurdle and I'd, I'd rather not get hurt, I'd rather not embarrass myself, I'd rather not fail again. It's safer over here. Yeah. Uh, and one person is giving up on what's on the other side of the divide, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the other person is giving up on what's on this side of the divide. Yeah. Right? Giving up on themselves before they even yeah. start. I love that. Oh, that's fantastic. Hey, guys. Just want to take a quick break from our podcast, bring a word from our sponsor, Phoenix Mori Ray, your creative genius. They have been my creative genius in creating my logo. So, Phoenix Mori, thank you very much for that. I just wanted to let you guys know that they have officially opened up their publishing arm of their company, also known as Whimsillusion. So Whimsillusion is a great place for writers uh, where they can submit any of their writings, depending on regardless of genre even. It's really, really awesome. So there are no page counts that you need. You don't have to have an agent. You don't have to have a social media following. It's a great place for any aspiring writer or seasoned writer 
to be able to submit their transcripts or different pieces of what they're writing to be able to get good, honest feedback. Constructive criticism is the key to growth. And so you can join the Whims Illusion Forum where readers and writers can come together to create all their own magic. And we can all help each other do that. Now writers can post their WIPs and get feedback from engaged readers. Members receive plenty of benefits including free books, short stories, and discounts on select design services. This is personally where I'm going to publish different parts of my book or just get feedback on it. The Bridge Strategy, I'm super excited to bring you guys that and I'll let you guys know more about that. Now you can go to whimsillusion.com for more information. That is W-H-I-M-S-I-L-L-S-U-I-O-N.com. All right, we'll get back to it. So kind of moving on here. Um, so I want to kind of dive into what is the divide that you're bridging? I mean, I know we, we talked kind of a lot about, and you kind of mentioned this and that and the other, um, but I want to, I want to know about kind of what's, what's the current divide that, that you're working on sure. to overcome and, and what does that look like? Yeah, it's interesting for me. It's really, it's really about two different themes. One is this sort of overarching long theme and then the one's like what I'm working on now. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but they sort of work together, which is that the first one, my overarching goals, I remember at one point um, I, I had a manager pull me aside and say, Doug, you're real competitive. And I love that about you. But... I don't want you to compete with any of them. I want you to compete with you from yesterday. Mm. And so the divide I, w I started working on is this long arc of like you every day have to be better than you yesterday. Yeah. And you're not going to win every game, right? It's like baseball, right? It's a long season, 162 games. You're not going to win every one of them. Yeah. But if you're, if, you're batting up, if you're above 500 on that yeah. record, right, yeah. then, then you're going to go up. So that, that divide is between the me of yesterday and the me of tomorrow. Right? What can I do to be better than yesterday? And what can I do to set up so that tomorrow, Doug, is like, thanks, you did me a solid, I'm ready to win. Yep. Um, and, and it's interesting, I ended up finding a home at Calling Media, I'm now the president there, uh, and the core, the, the mission is helping people succeed. Uh, and it's funny because that would be a throwaway mission. Any business could have that mission, right? Um, uh, but ours is helping people succeed through better advertising results, mm -hmm. right? That's how we get our purpose, our what we're going to do about it. Yeah in order to get out there. And there's, there's lots of ways you can do that, right? Yeah. There, there are lots of times where as marketers, the bridge we're dividing is between uh, a consumer of a product and, and a distributor or a seller or a maker of a product, right? Yep. Somebody, they have a brand that can help somebody yeah. and somebody's out there who needs help. Yep. And it's about making that connection. Yeah. Um, but the ones, the accounts that I get most excited about, the ones that I get most passionate about are ones where their mission is also easily reflected as helping people succeed. So that's I how I ended up at the APSA Refresh Conference, yeah, right? So yeah. that was about helping people who were in the workforce space, mm -hmm. trying to connect people to resources and employment and those sort of things so they could go live a life of dignity. And the way I fell into that and learned about all that is because of the work we do with tech and trade schools. I love that. So there were how many, shoot, how many tech and vocational schools there? I mean, there were... Yeah, there were, there were a couple dozen. So the APSA is the Arizona Private School Association. Yep. So they're a great organization that gets these people together because um, what, what we've realized, and I guess I'll climb off of my like, hey, Calling Media does good things for good people and, and just get onto my soapbox for a moment, jump, which is... Jump on there. We spent... <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm going to say it was in the 80s. Somebody realized that the amount of complexity in our economy and our society meant that kids needed more education. That basically by the time they were done with high school, we didn't really even have time to actually train them in a job or a profession. Mm -hmm. All we could do was get them enough foundation that they could then launch off into all these other things. Yep. And the answer was given to everybody, college. Yep. So now you have a couple of problems. One, there's this massive spike in demand for college degrees. So all of a sudden yep. kids who wouldn't have gone to college, weren't thinking about college, some kids who don't belong in college, it's not the space mm -hmm. for them. It's not where they're going to succeed. 100%. It's not where they're gonna find success. They go. So all of a sudden you have massive demand for education. What happens yep. when you have massive demand and a lack of supply? Prices go up. So now education costs a fortune. Nobody can afford it, but don't worry. The government knows that they can help yeah. uh, because we can just give them money and they'll pay it back once they get these glorious yeah. careers on the other yeah. side without realizing that it is true 
that the vast majority of Americans need some level of education beyond high school yeah. if they're really going to live that life of dignity, yep. where they've got a valuable set of skills that are valuable enough to, you know, roof over their head, clothes on their back, food on the table, right, where they can pay their taxes, do their part, and and really grow and have that. There's their version of the American dream, right? Yeah. What does that look like? And and it turns out we lied to an entire generation of kids Oops. and said the answer is college <laughs> at any cost. Dang it. Right? And yeah. so they all go out and they take student loans, they do all these I things. I think that's the difference, college at any cost. Because it's like, and we kind of touched on this before when you were like, didn't, kind of didn't fit the mold, right? And that's why it's like I was looking forward to what you're saying right now is that not everybody fits that mold. You know, it's like, you know, college at what cost? You know, because college, sure, great. If you know kind of what you want to do or whatever, but like if you're like me, where I have like 50 different majors in a year, it, it just, it didn't fit for kind of where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. Sure. You know, and so it doesn't, f- not everybody fits that mold. And, and I think it is the right answer for a whole lot of people. Sure, sure. And, and not to knock the, yeah, you know, right. Degree, still, I mean, I, I got a four-year degree and I'm happy about it. Yeah. But I've, over my life, I've had a chance to meet so many people where what they really needed was six months of training in this, two years mm-hmm. of training in that where they could now take what they learned in high school and go learn the real world skill they need that's going to make them valuable to the employer, to the economy, and give them a chance to stand on their own two feet and say, look, I'm doing something yeah. that makes me fulfilled, that makes me happy, that you know makes other people look, you know, grandma's proud. You know what I mean? <laughs> like when you see a kid who probably didn't get great grades all the way up through high school, yeah. probably was just destined for slinging burgers somewhere, yeah. uh, and, and you see them at a graduation ceremony at a trade school where they got their certificate in welding. Yeah. And mom and dad are there misty-eyed because they never thought their child was going to graduate from college. And here they are, right, with a cap and gown and a certificate, and they're going to go make good money, right? I mean, I know plenty of people that got out of college, and they go, I'm going to go make $30,000, $40,000, $50,000 a year. Nothing wrong with it. If you love what you're doing, it's making ends meet, that's great. Yeah. But then I see welders and HVAC people and, and you know medical assistants come out and they're making fifty, sixty thousand dollars. They have the same story. They just it only took them nine months, yep. and and it cost them a fraction of it. And it's not that one is better intrinsically; it's that each is better for a different person. Hundred percent. Yeah. And absolutely. and and we gave them no option. We said, it's high like school, college it, or yeah, bust. diploma, GED, go over here. Yep. Bachelor's degree, come with us, yeah, yeah, yeah. as opposed to. Hey, here's options. And so that's one yeah. of the divides I'm trying to bridge is, A, getting it into the heads of parents, yeah. helping them understand that you don't need to force Tommy to grow into something that's going to be a horrible fit, saddle yeah. him with debt, make him feel frustrated like he's not living up to your expectations. You, we can help Tommy find a different path yeah. where he can go live a life of dignity and how proud will that make you. And then helping Tommy, who's on his you know, second or third dead end job and his buddies come back from college and they're talking about all these great things that they're yep. doing and he feels left out and depressed and sad and doesn't know where Man, he's going. It sucks because I didn't do X or Y. Yeah, he's stuck in a dead end and we can bridge the gap and say, hey, there's a path for you too. Yep. It's not their path. And the good news is none of you are on the same path. Mm-hmm. Go ask all your four buddies who went to college. Yep. They're all on different paths, right? Yep. It just happened to be at the same school that for those couple of years. Um, so that's that's my big soapbox moment. It's like, we got to get it through our heads that, yes, it's true, you need something after high school. And no, it doesn't have to be four years. And, and no, it doesn't have to be a university. You just need to then go train in some skills. Uh, and, and you can have it. You can have your version of the American yep. dream. I want parents to understand that that's okay. And they, can, they don't have to be mad or disappointed in Timmy. Oh, yeah. And, and I don't think they will be when they see him, you know, out there successful, happy, you know, taking care of himself, standing on his own two feet. Uh, and, and that Timmy, it, it's okay. Yeah. You don't have to go be an accountant, but, but yeah, that's, that's what I want people to get is, I love that. is that there's a path. And, and one of the reasons why I work at Chicanos por la Casa is, I mean, I'm, so I'm the career navigator for Pinal County, right? And so I go to schools and I present them different, uh, certification opportunities post, post, uh, high school. Yeah. And really it's for anybody. So I, I do job fairs and events at libraries and different things like that, but it's to, essentially do kind of what you were saying is is to educate on the fact that there are opportunities that are just different than the four-year path you know i mean there are certain companies out there boeing and intel uh to name a couple i think uh srp the electric company here in arizona or one of them 
they have uh, tuition reimbursement mm -hmm. where they will pay for a hundred percent of your degree you know while you're working making money you can also be you know working on your school and so it's like not only do you not go in debt to get your degree you come out ahead yeah with with all this money it's, uh, there's apprenticeship programs and vocation schools and like all these different things that you know are just i don't know i'm a, I'm a huge huge supporter of uh alternative education um what you touched on kind of an interesting rabbit hole which might be uh, slightly oh yeah, off I topic dive? but oh, man i will go down that rabbit hole so, so fast <laughs> hey, historically if you only got however many years, right? However far back you want to go, they got less and less years of education, but yeah, they got yeah, a yeah. certain amount where they could just function in society. And then historically, the job training, the job skills training happened as part of your job. You mm. were an apprentice. Yeah, yeah, your yeah, dad yeah, yeah. taught you how to work the farm or yeah. how to work the mill, the or you training. went off and you joined a guild and you were an apprentice and then a journeyman and then a master. And at, at a master stage, you're now bringing up the next level of apprentices, right? And it was always handled sort of by the employer. Uh, and it, and then you start seeing professional degrees, right? Law, uh, accounting, some of these like really, really specific things where it was so systemized uh, that it was more important. Like, let's, let's take them over here. Let's yeah. send them off. And that's when you get the idea of like, I'm going to pay to send somebody to get a specialized education at the cost of the worker, at the cost of the individual, mm. as opposed to the cost of the employer. And, and we've seen that sort of grow. And, and it was, to a certain extent, necessary if you're going to have the, the compensation, the reward, the expectations that you're going to have on a professional, like a doctor, a lawyer, those kinds yeah. of things. Um, but when you come back to the other side, it's starting to come back that other direction. If I want to go for something that takes post-graduate work, mm -hmm. lawyer, doctor, yeah. CPA, MBA, those kind of things, that's still very much paid for. MBAs now are often paid for with tuition reimbursement, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So even some of those are coming back yeah. in. It's wild. But, but these days, so many, like you said, there's so many tuition reimbursement programs. Get out there, find something you can do with them, work with them, and they'll say, hey, you're the kind of person that we want, to, we want more out of because we can see more in you. And all of a sudden, they'll pay for you to go get that certification. Heck yeah. Yeah, my, my brother got so many certifications that now land him jobs and now make him employable because he was working for somebody who was like, I need you to be able to do this next thing, and I think you can. So we're, we're going to invest in you. Exactly right. I love that. Yeah. And one of the, the cool things about the, a couple of the programs that I'm promoting as the, that career navigator, what I go and present on, um, is that they have, t uh, so Boeing and Intel, uh, respectively have their own 10 day boot camp. Mm. It's 10 days and you can't suck it up for 10 days and just try something, you know, Boeing, it's like you're assembling wire harnesses for the Apache helicopters or whatever. And then Intel you're working on, uh, monitoring the semiconductor, um, assembly process. Do they, do they take professionals who have no intention of going beyond day 10? This sounds like a nice vacation, <laughs> right? Just a fun adventure right. for two I was weeks. Like, hey, this sounds kind of cool. Can I go build an Apache? Yeah. So you're guaranteed <laughs> an interview at the end of this program. They have over a 90% higher rate wow. out of this program. And it might be a little bit different now. I'm sure there's somebody out there be like, it's 89%. Um, but then the jobs start anywhere from 20 to 25 bucks an hour. That's cool. Around 47, yeah, yeah. 48,000 yeah. a year. I mean, that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like that, that's, a, that's a fantastic opportunity to get your... That's a foot in the door job with with this whole entire road ahead of you you know it's just fantastic but but point being there are so many different opportunities and different paths out there that can get you to where you want to go mm. you know um so moving into the next uh segment here um books i love to read and i mean now i you know like you're, you're talking about how you you like to just you like to just sit and just read you know, everybody leave me alone. Um, you know, I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks now because sure. I like to do other things or whatever. I just slap my headphones on and I, I go and ignore my 50,000 children, you know. <clears throat> but uh, what, um, you mentioned a couple of books here and I kind of want to touch on them. What are a couple of the books that have really kind of had a big impact on you and kind of how you viewed where you were at, where you wanted to be. Sure. 
Sure. Well, um, I mean, there were a couple that were just really resonated with me from like a, a logical standpoint. I, I think for me, the most interesting result of any experiment, any data gathering project is the unexpected result, mm. right? Uh, it, like when, when you're like, oh, I'm expecting, like when you drop a bowling ball and a feather and they land at the same time, right? Because there's no wind resistance. You yeah, did it in yeah, a vacuum, yeah. thankfully, uh-huh. right? But, and you're like, that's unexpected, yeah, right? Like, that, Wait a second, how does that, some, why does that work like yeah, that? Yeah, there's something interesting behind that. Uh, and so because of that, I fell in love with the Freakonomics book series because they had all kinds of weird, just little tidbits oh, in there cool. where they would go do these economic studies and they would come out with stuff where you're just like, that, I would not have expected that. Interesting. Uh, and it's funny, I don't even necessarily like have any particular finding that resonated with me or changed my life. It was just the perspective of, yeah, we've all got a hunch. Mm-hmm. We've all got a theory. But at some moment, should we go get some actual information and let that like determine what we're going to do about it as opposed yeah. to just like, oh, I got a hunch. Um, so I really loved those. Um, I think I, I think I put in the thing also Malcolm Gladwell. I just fell in love with several of yeah, his books. Out, outliers. I, I wanted to know what's what's that what's that one about. So I mean, I, I, from the title, I'm like, ooh, hey, this sounds kind of like it'd be cool, or like a be a cool title for some post-apocalyptic, you yeah. know, movie or you, whatever. You the, gotta the outliers. If, if you start asking about like what are my favorite books, and then mention post-apocalyptic stuff, I'm gonna start going off for about an hour and a half. <laughs> About my favorite genre of book, which is because I, I actually like post-apocalyptic dystopian. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, Dy- yeah, dystopian uh, future love, sci-fi is I my favorite that, genre. That That's all I want. They can take one aspect of our society and then go, okay, here's what would happen if this continued. And was never it continued unchecked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's what society right. could look quick, like. Quick aside to the audience: if that's your jam and you want to know about that, then you should go look at the um, Unwound series. I think it's it might be Schusterman. I don't know, but it's, it's Unwound. It's an entire. It's like three or four books. What if we did this one thing differently and it went all the way to the other side? Anyhow, um, say now. But, now I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm yeah. Gonna, we'll talk about so that I'll one later. But um, but so Outliers is about like these people. How does somebody get to that super extreme like level of success? How do you end up with Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan? Mm. And how do you end up with people that are so far above and beyond what anybody else appears to be capable of? And and I I don't know if this is the genesis of it or just like the place that I came to it. But the the, the, you've heard of the ten thousand hour rule, right? You spend ten thousand hours rigorously practicing something. That's how you get to expertise. And I think that's where I first heard it. Um, But it really came down to that like. You just got to do it a lot. It's going to take repetition mm-hmm. just over and over and over. And, and I haven't done anything in my life repeatedly without screwing it up a couple times along the way. 100%. And so it's, it's a, it became for me this lesson of like resilience and to a certain extent like forgiveness of the times where I went out and I was only 2,000 2, hours in, faced a real hard obstacle and then backed off because I wasn't good like, enough. Yeah, never mind. And then you were, and then two years later, you regret that like you didn't pursue that thing and saying, no, it's okay. I get it. I can forgive myself. And then if I want to go back and attack it again. Um, but it really, it really gave me, and I ended up reading just about everything. I, mean, I think he writes for the New Yorker too. And I haven't read any of those posts, yeah. but, but he's got a podcast and all kinds of stuff. But I think I for, for me, the biggest thing about reading is just volume. 100%. It's just how much I, yeah. I actually, I, after I filled out the thing, because I'd heard one time that the average American reads a book a year, and the average millionaire reads 12 books a year, and the average billionaire reads like 100 books a year. Yeah. Um, and I went back and I did Pew. I wrote down pretty much like Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and Pew, it turns out Pew Research has done other research, in, and there is a correlation between income level and number of books you read, right? So yeah. more books read does correlate more with 100%. higher income. Yeah. There's a question as to whether it's because you have more free time or not, or higher education level or not. Uh, and what's what's the cause and effect? So it turns out it's not that quite ratio that I yeah. heard originally, um, but it always just inspired me. Like, we got to read more. Well, we got it's, so. Oh, sorry, I cut you off. Um, but it's like the what I take from that is like the the volume isn't necessarily like the the exact number isn't necessarily what I find fascinating about it, that. It's that like the truly successful people aren't the ones that necessarily profess to have all the answers but they're the ones that go out and look for them the most. Yeah. You know, if you're reading a ton, then you're able to go, oh, well, hey, let's try this. Hey, let's try this. But if you're only reading one book a year, then you're yeah. limited to that, yeah, that, it, like, that small amount of knowledge. There's a know? certain amount of humility there in saying, like, I don't have a monopoly on the truth. Yep. And even if I think I've got good stuff, I can. there's still more to be mm-hmm. found out there. 
there's another side of it too that I found interesting, which is the idea that there's uh, there's no quick fix, right? Outliers, you got to do ten thousand hours. Yeah. There's no thing where if you take this test, you find out that there's a thing you could be great at the, with only thirty the, minutes of the effort. Secret, yeah. To if you do this one thing, yeah, right. I'm going to give you this quiz, and it's going to tell you this is the path for you. And for you, it's only going to take twenty-seven minutes of effort to be like <laughs> you know God's gift to that thing, right? Good that's luck. that. That's not how it exists, and that, to a certain extent. If you believe that there's a quick path to success across any spectrum, then when you stop and you say, hey, what one book do I need to read? Yeah. Tell me that one book. Because I've been reading a lot and I haven't found it yet. But can you tell me the one book? I'll yeah. do it this weekend. Uh, yeah. And then I'll be a billionaire. And, and like but, yeah. Warren Buffett, who reads voraciously, <sighs> right? Yeah, he, he says the, the best way to get rich quick is to never try to get rich quick. That's right? so funny. It's the idea oh of God. no shortcuts, right? Yeah. It's 10,000 hours. Mm -hmm. It's 100 books a year. Yeah. Right. There's no one book I read that if I'm like, everybody drop what you're doing, read this one. I'll see you on the beach next summer. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, you've got to read all of them because yeah. everyone's going to have that little thing you need, that yeah. one little piece. Or and that, it, that resonates with you. Just like yeah. that specific way that it was said, you're like, oh, that's what I needed to hear to solve this kind of thing. You know? Exactly. Right. No. And I love that. Um, hey guys, just want to take a quick break and say, if you guys are getting any value from this, if you guys are enjoying it, having a good time with us today. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe button. Everybody says that I know, but hey, can't beat them, join them. Just want to let you guys also know about our newsletter that we have coming out. It'll let you know about all the latest and greatest news that we've got, anything Bridging Divides related, all the events that we've got coming up, all of the different organizations, nonprofits out there that are doing awesome, amazing things that you can also be a part of. It'll also let you know about the book that I've got coming out, The Bridge Strategy. Super, super excited about that. And we'll let you know when that gets released. We'll also let you know about any additional nuggets of information and inspiration that we've got, different fun stories that we don't necessarily mention in these videos or episodes. So if that's something that interests you, then check it out in the description and we'll make you part of the Bridge and Divides family. Excited to have you here. We'll get back oh, into it. Um, I'm listening to uh, Atomic Habits right now. Okay. By James Clear. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. And he talks about how he's like, you know, think about uh, if you're trying to thaw an ice cube, you know, and it needs to be at 32 degrees or whatever, and or 33 degrees, and you know, you do, you take it from zero to 31, and you're like, all this work I've been putting in is 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 isn't is not doing anything. You know, the ice isn't melted yet. And it's like, it doesn't mean that the, the work hasn't been wasted. It's that you just need to continue kind of going forward and doing that, you know, the, the applying the principles that will lead to success. That's so funny. You know, I was supposed... I love, I love that. I was supposed to read that one as oh, part of a good. group. And I ended up sort of like, I didn't get to it in time. I was working on other pieces and I sort of skimmed through it. The cliff notes so that I could, Yeah, right. Just so, so I could talk about it, right? And you get the gist of it yeah, and, yeah. and we talked about it. So I missed that part. But uh, as good. you said it there, and I thought it really hit me where you said, sometimes you just hear it a different way. Mm -hmm. you, you get the same message. Yeah. And all I could think about was, oh, I'm going to forget his name now, but he's a, I think it's Brian Tracy. He's a sales mm. guru. Okay. Uh, and really had a big impact on my life when I decided, I'm going to go figure out sales. Right? Yeah. I'm going to go figure that out. Um, and he would talk about a pot of boiling water. Yeah. And everything you're doing to build value is raising the temperature mm -hmm. of that water. But it, you don't make a sale until it boils over. So if you work so hard to get it to 211 degrees, mm -hmm. and you say, ah, it's not boiling, I'm walking Screw away, it. yeah. right? It's, it's the same metaphor. I, just, I heard it on the other side, the other phase no, change I, I of love, water. I love that. That's so and funny. You had mentioned something like this before, where it's like you, you, you might take a first stab at something, and then you know you get to 2,000 hours of work or whatever, and you're just like, ah, oh, screw it. You know, I, I got to this obstacle. When I first started to get into this space, um, personal development and, and that sort of thing, uh, I'll have to, oh my gosh, man, my first video that I made, my, my brother-in-law showed him, and he's like, dude, this is so hilarious. He's like, you did this ironically, right? Because oh. it was some like 80s infomercial style. Yeah. I'm at this camera, and then I fade into this. It, it, to be fair, I watch it, and I'm like, this is hilarious, because it was like <laughs> five years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, no, it was, it was serious. And he's like, dude, this is so funny. But uh, he's like, this is going to be a great deep cut you know, for the future. But... It's just like I didn't know where to go. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know what. Uh, it's a crazy thing. Is like I, I ran into these problems, but it's like I didn't even know what questions to ask 
to get to get over mm-hmm. you know certain obstacles. And what I've loved uh, now about having gotten into this again, and and I'm kind of jumping in and. Uh, and really, I'm not the expert of really anything. I've never been accused of being the smartest guy in the room, <laughs> you know. But honestly, I, I feel like that's a good thing. If you can go into somewhere that's going to force you to to stretch, to mm-hmm. reach, you know, to grow, then that's a good place. You want to be there. I would I would venture to say that you don't ever want to be the smartest guy in the room. Yeah, I had, you know, I had a guy Not to mention me. that they get blamed for everything. But, you yeah. know, <laughs> you can also... You know, you can grow when you surround yourself with these people. But now that I'm doing more networking and going to events and reaching out to people um, that are more successful or further along in the in the road to success, whatever you want to uh, call that, whether it's mentally, emotionally, financially, spiritually, whatever, um, as I've been doing this, I go, they're like, hey, what do you think about, uh, have you thought about this? And I'm like, oh, I didn't even, ha- I didn't even know that that question existed. Yeah. And now all of a sudden I go, okay, well, what do I need to overcome that? And they're like, well, hey, let me help you out here. And so it's like, it, it's just, it's this beautiful thing of, of you, you take that step out, you go meet that person, you summon up the courage to, to ask the keynote speaker to be on your podcast. And, and, and before you know it, they say yes, and here we are. And, and then, you know, we're talking about, you know, different things that we've been through and things that we connect over and and then who knows what we're going to collaborate on in the future and yeah you know it's just it's i love it yeah it makes me for forever yeah it makes me think about two separate things i mean one you mentioned don't want to be the smartest guy in the room there was a (laughs) i was a guy i knew a long time ago my parents are probably like oh no yeah that's absolutely true (laughs) well i just remember this he never has been if if you ever fight figure out that you're the smartest guy in the room you just figured out that you need to find a new room, <laughs> right? And and oh, it's, so it's, it's good. true, right? You've got to find it's it. So and, good. and it's interesting because there are moments, we all play different roles in different moments of our lives, right? 100%. There are rooms in my life where I'm the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. But only on one dimension. I might be the best with data in that room. Yeah. But there's somebody else in that room who's best with people. And mm-hmm. being able to open myself up and say, mm-hmm. oh, they're smarter than me in this other category. Or if you're alone, or you're just stuck in rooms full of people that aren't right. Everybody out there who's smart enough has written a book about it, and you can go figure out what they're thinking, right? You can I go put it. yourself in their room. But no, I love that. And and one of the things that, that can be hard to kind of summon up that courage to go to ask the question that you need, you know, is, is or, or to, to press record, sure. you know, or whatever. It's like, what? you know, who am I? to do whatever yeah because all these people that i've and because i and i've got a lot of people that are lined up and and this is the first episode it's which is super exciting very validating to be like oh hey this idea that i have other people are on board they want to support it they want to do it but it's like who am i you're talking to you know the 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 people out there or whatever you know um but but it's the ability to do that and to give people access to some of those questions and answers. 100%. I mean, you mentioned like... That's what, that's what got me off of that. I don't know. It, it, it's this like um, self-doubt, this self-doubt, whatever you want to call it, um, where it's like, well, shoot, okay, no, I don't have all the answers. Far from it. But if I'm going to be going out and talking to people that I've gotten answers from, I know that there's got to be somebody out there who would appreciate that as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's so interesting. We, I mean, we sort of circled around the idea of like, you get 2,000 hours into that journey, and you hit a real low spot, you hit a real hard spot, and it's hard to get over it. It's hard to pick yourself back up sometimes. Yeah. It's hard to do that. And I, I use this analogy sometimes when we talk about like business planning or what's a campaign going to look like and how's the success. I say, hey, I mean, we live in Phoenix. If you're watching this somewhere else, we live in Phoenix. But um, from here to Disneyland, mm-hmm. you have to drive through Death Valley. Yeah. There's a desert between here and there mm-hmm. that's hard to get through. And if you don't know that the right answer is stay on this road and keep going, it's just another couple hundred miles, you could get to the desert and be like, we're clearly in the wrong place. I was yeah. promised beaches, palm trees, the happiest place on earth. This is wrong. Yeah. I've got to stop. Yeah. And if and on a business plan or like you know, you're hitting an annual goal or something – it's easy to say, okay, we've mapped it out. We know June's going to be awful, but if we keep doing it, we know what December looks yeah. like. That That's one thing. But on that longer life journey, nobody's drawn you that map. There's yeah. no life journey right now where somebody pulled me aside at 25 or 35 or even today and said, hey, Doug, I see where you're going. 
you can make it there, but here's this chasm, chasm you have to cross. Mm-hmm. Here's the desert, here's the firestorm, and here's what you need to do in those situations. So when you find yourself in that situation, being able to reach out, ask those questions, connect with people so that they can say, oh yeah, oh man, you have the 2,000 hour mark, that one was tough. I, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? You're this like, how, and you're like, oh, oh other people. That's pe- what I needed yeah, to yeah, get through that. Yeah. And, then, and then if you're lucky, they lean in and nudge you and they go, wait till you get to 6,000. <laughs> that's a doozy. <laughs> you thought it sucked it too. Yeah, right? <laughs> but, they, but you could find those things. Uh, and if you're ever nervous about networking, asking other people, I heard a tip. I don't know if it's true. And I've never sought to research it because I don't want to invalidate it because it's so valuable in my head, which is the other person likes you slightly more than you think they do. Interesting. And that that is true the vast majority of the time. It doesn't mean that if they hate your guts that all of a sudden they want to marry you. It means that if, if you think they, they hate your guts. They just hate you a little less than yeah, you thought. <laughs> exactly right. But everybody's just that little bit. So when you're like on that. that nervous edge in the middle and you're like, I don't know. It's okay. They're just as nervous. Yeah. They think you like them a little bit less than you actually do. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Right? So you can just, I, I can just put yourself out there. Though. I could definitely see that though. So... Um, you, you mentioned Death Valley and everything, and, and this really kind of, um, I think that's a really good segue into the last bit of this uh, podcast. My favorite segment is called the Positivity Prize Fighters sure. segment. Um, the idea behind this is that positivity here, you know, with bridging divides is, is like the most important thing in my mind. You know, the, the key to success um, is, is to have that, the, the optimistic attitude, but that doesn't mean having rose colored glasses on all the time. You know, um, you know, you don't lose a prize fight by getting hit in the face. You lose a prize fight by not getting back up and keep fighting, you know? So the whole positivity prize fighter uh, idea is, you know, when life punches you in the face, knocks you on your butt, do you have the resilience to get up spit the blood out and say, this fight is still worth fighting. I know that I'll get through Death Valley. I know that I can do this, you know? So uh, you had mentioned a couple of things um, in, the, in the email uh, that I, that, you know, the, the pre-interview questions. Um, and probably the, the, the name of this episode, you know, is probably going to be something like uh, millionaire to call center to millionaire again. You know, I, I the 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 stuff that, that you had mentioned that you had gone through to to keep that fight going. You know, can can you can you touch on yeah on that? Yeah, for for clarity, for the sake of the audience, it's been millionaire on neither side of it. But in terms of like happiness and contentment yeah, with yeah, like yeah. like life uh-huh. and how you how you feel about yourself in the mirror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like a million bucks. Yeah, there you go. There, there we go. go. Um, That's it. We could connect it that yeah, way. Yeah, sure. No, I, I had, um, when I was 10, I decided I wanted to be a Supreme Court justice. If they were only going to let nine people make the, like, the real difficult decisions, I wanted to be one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out I wasn't going to be. That wasn't going to be a thing. Um, but then I was, the next logical step was I was going to go be a lawyer. So I was always going to be a lawyer. I, I got an academic scholarship to go to college. I got a philosophy degree so I could learn how to argue and debate and logic and all that. So then I yeah. could go to law school and realize I didn't actually want to be an actual lawyer. Having met some lawyers, I felt like keeping your soul. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> I got a well, lot of lawyers. It, it just it just turned out that it was either it, yeah it, either you sold your soul or you were incredibly bored or you were incredibly broke <laughs> or or you found some mixture between and you work in 60 hours to make partners so you could work 80 hours no, and I, I was just, I, it just wasn't for me yeah. and and I know several people that are lawyers that love it and good for that yeah right um, but it wasn't for me and so I went out I'm, I'm gonna go work for a startup company I'm gonna do all these little things and discover all this stuff and they paid me in options so I didn't make any money I just, I'm living on options. This is going to go great. Yeah, right? So I'm learning how to write code and do websites and databases. And I'm doing doing that part-time spare time on the side just to make ends meet. Mm -hmm. Because this woman agreed to marry me. And then right out of college, before we got married, we're just engaged. And she's like, this is what it's like? You're living at your parents' house working for options for a company that doesn't exist? So the company fails to launch. and, And I fall back on my network. Yeah. Which... I was enough of a talker that in, in high school, I realized I could play the role yep. of the guy on the phone. And so I could do call center sales. So I went and I did call center sales. Yep. And we've got a condo and we're happily married. We're taking vacations. Uh, and we have a kid. And then two things happen. One, she gets pregnant. We're going to have our first kid. 
Awesome. And they give me a five-year plaque. <laughs> this is it. This is what I mean. I went from Supreme Court justice to the guy at the cable company who asked you if you want ESPN or Disney, right? <laughs> and, and I was just dying inside. Oh. I really was. And, and so I went out there and I had a friend who, one of them went and started an agency, a little agency you may have heard of called Calling Media. And yeah. he had, we had a mutual agent. acquaintance who was doing sort of like some of the digital stuff. Because Calling Media started, it was mostly digital, electronic media, cable, television, that kind of stuff, uh, radio. And so the digital stuff was sort of done in, through a different arm. So I went, and I'd known this other guy longer, and everything I knew was digital. So I went with him. So I ran off with this other guy, and we, were, we, had, we had some clients in common and everything, but we went off, and after two years, I just became steadily more depressed. And I thought at the time it was because I was spending too much time running the business, dealing with clients, all those sorts of things, and it was what I really needed to do was really dive into my passion. I needed to just be a pure coder. That's what I needed. That's what I loved. That's what had kept me going all these years. Uh, and I really saw myself as this dichotomy of like, there's this Doug that I don't like who's gregarious and salesy and talks to people all the time. And then there's this Doug who's just a nerd and just wants to be alone with the, with the logic. Um, so it was such a hard moment to look at a guy that I'd known for, at that time, 20, 25 years, where he and I tried to build this business together and just say, I got to go. I got to go. So here I was. I woke up in a call center. Now I'm going to be a dad. I'm stuck in this dead-end career. Dead what am I? But they give you a plaque. But they give me, yeah, I got a <laughs> plaque. I got a pension. It sets, right? All I need is a gold watch uh, and like a 45 more years of this. Yeah. And, and so I got depressed then. And then I left. And I'm like, I'm going to pursue my passion. And I went and I pursued my passion for two years. And it didn't work. And it fell apart. And I went and I got, I found another job where I was just a pure coder, where all I would do was be locked in a room for eight hours working yeah. on code. And I got more depressed. Hmm. It got worse. And, and I just felt like so defeated. I, I thought I had all this potential. I thought I had all these things going for me. I was working on these skills and all these things. And it turns out all I can do is, uh. so I, I realized I'm, I'm dying there. And my friend, another friend of mine calls me up and he and I worked on projects on the side. And he says, hey, um, I just found out that we just lost this client to this other company. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the company. They do this, they do this, they do this. And I was like, are you just calling to make it worse? Like, you, you can just tell me we lost them. You don't have to tell me. And he's like, no, I'm calling because I'm in their training class. They're hiring. You should come by. So I end up going back into another call center. <laughs> and I'm like... This is, this is it for me. In the call center, out of the call center. Yeah. Back in the call I, center. I, I finally muster the courage to pursue my passion and leave it behind. And life goes, no, that's terrible. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's because I didn't commit all the way. So I go deeper and it got worse. Interesting. And the only thing that saved me was falling back into a call center. I was like, this can't work for me. This can't work for me. Um, and I'll never forget, I'm in the training class and... One of the other up-and-comers, right? he's like 22, and he's going to be the best sales guy on the planet. And he's like, which books do you read? Which sales guys do you follow up with? And, and one of the, I think he was the senior manager then, and he ended up becoming my director and, and a mentor and a friend. Uh, and he said, oh, like, you got to read uh, uh, Brian Tracy, and you got to read a couple of the people. And, and one of the, in one of the books that he recommended, he talked about, you have to love the product. You have to, you, have, you can't be out there trying to sell it to somebody. You've got to be wanting, you've got to know what you have, know that it's valuable for some people but not others, mm -hmm. and your mission isn't to convince anybody, it's to find those people and help them come to that realization. Yeah. And in that moment, I saw sales differently. It was about helping people succeed. And this was the first way, that was the, the first the, bridge. The unlock. Yeah, yeah, it's the first brick in that bridge. I love that. Right? And and so so then... I, I become a sales manager because I can help more of our customers succeed vicariously through a team of 15 mm -hmm. people than I could on my own. Helping and it, them with that unlock as yeah, well. Yeah, helping them. And it was a, originally it was about helping them unlock more customers, helping yeah. them help more customers. Mm -hmm. I could vicariously help more customers succeed. Yeah. And then as I started working with them and mentoring, I realized how much I enjoyed and got fulfillment by helping them succeed in their own lives, the skills they wanted to work on, the new career they wanted to leave for. Some of them were working their way through college because they were going to go be lawyers, right? Yeah, 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 and it was yeah. just amazing. And then I became a, a sales trainer. And my whole job became finding everybody around who needed help to succeed in their chosen path. Uh, and, and then I got to lunch 
with a guy named Brian Calling. And he, we're, I mean, we've been friends for like 20 years. We've yeah, been in and out yeah, of call yeah. centers together. We had clients in common back when I first left the call center, you know, a decade ago. And, and he explains to me the mission, helping people succeed. Yeah. And I was like, do you know it took me like 32 years of my life <laughs> and like so many peaks and valleys to find that? Oh, man. And he's like, yeah, that's what we do here. And uh, I'll be honest, I'm walking around with this half of a bridge. I said, are you kidding me? I've, I've got, got that the other half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I moved over and, and it was just, when you finally find it, it clicks, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and I just remember I was depressed uh, that, the, that, that I wasn't going to be a lawyer. And I was depressed that I wasn't going to, uh, that the startup never launched. And I was depressed that I spent five years doing nothing but selling a uh, phone and internet to people who thought they just wanted ESPN. And I was depressed that I tried to go start a small business, pursuing my passion, yeah. and then it fell apart. And I was depressed that I couldn't make it as a coder. And I was depressed that, well, I guess I'm just falling back on the fact that I'm decent on the phones. Yeah. And one person said one thing about one book. I read it. And I know we just said you got to read all the books yeah, yeah. because there's not but the it, one but answer. But that's somewhere. why you got to read all the books because yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what your answer is. Yep. I don't know what anybody's answer is, but you got to read all of them because yeah. in that one moment, that one thing shifted my perspective. I love that. And, and it's, it's been great ever since. Yeah. And it's going to fall apart. That's the thing I keep reminding myself. There's going to be a moment where it struggles again. Yeah. Where right? you're going to get punched in the face again. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. No, and I just... That's... I love that because it's it, it's interesting to see kind of everything you're talking about, and then the shift. You know, people would have been like, "Yeah, follow your passions." That's like, what what do you what do you mean that that didn't solve everything? But and that's good, follow your passions. But it's interesting how you said that there was a shift when you started. It, it's like you started putting like other people kind of before you. What do they need? You know, what are they trying to accomplish? And then how can I help? And then in turn, it came right back, and it, it's, you know, and helped you out in the future. I, I love, I love that. Like the the beauty of that. It's kind of interesting. So, I'm a philosophy major, right? So we spend a lot of time thinking about Please, those kinds will. of things, right? Like karma and poetic justice, and you get what you give, and, and all those kinds of things, is, right? That is present through so many different religions and philosophies, and and it's it's crazy. Well, and and the thing that the thing that really always made I wanted to give everybody permission to be selfish mm. I felt like you go out there and you do it for the sake of somebody else and then if it doesn't come back to you right away it feels hollow you don't mm. want it you're not going to do it long enough yeah. you're not going to actually make it work you're going to go try to be a giver for six months and it's not going to pan out and then you're going to start being a selfish jerk and taking just for the purpose of taking <laughs> but there's the idea of like enlightened self-interest yeah I wasn't helping other people succeed for their benefit, not as the primary goal. Yeah. I was doing it because that was my passion because it felt so darn good. Teachers will talk about the moment the lights go on, yeah. their eyebrows go up and like, oh, I needed that. Yeah. I was, and, and, I, and I allowed myself to be just selfish enough to say, I'm doing that for that. I'm in it for me. I'm in it to make me happy. And the thing that makes me happy is having that moment. Yeah. Right. And and that and you can find those things where, right? People think about like, oh, if I succeed, I get a bigger piece of the pie. Yeah. Right. And that's a scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. And if you have a growth mindset, the idea is I can have the same percentage. I can even have a smaller percentage of this pie. But if we all grow the pie, I'll end up pie. with more pie. Yeah. Uh, and I so that. that's so that idea of enlightened self-interest of being, it's okay that I'm doing this because I'm going to end up with more pie. There's but what this, I'm doing is making the pie bigger. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love that. And then you're inviting more people. You know? Yeah. It's like uh, somebody that I was listening to recently, they're like, you know, they had quoted somebody saying, yeah, it's lonely at the top. And they're like, it doesn't have to be lonely at the top. <laughs> it's only lonely if you stabbed everybody on the way up. Exactly. And then why, do you, why did you want to get to the top anyways at that point? But I love what you said about, about that, that abundance mindset, that growth mindset of, you know, sure, you might take a smaller piece. But the pie is infinitely bigger mm -hmm. when you just build the other people up around you. Yeah. And then you end up getting so much more out of everything that you do. You know, it's, it's fascinating. But that about wraps up our time. Um, 
you know, we, I really want to thank you for, for coming on the podcast. I mean, every time we talked has just been, has just been awesome. And and I've loved that. Um, For you guys uh, out there listening and watching, just want to let you know, we love uh, that you guys joined us today and that you listened, that you watched. Uh, Please leave comments uh, down below to let us know what it was that you liked about this, who would you like to hear from in the future. If you have questions for Doug about things that he's been through, that he's done, uh, then let us know. And we, wanna, we want to, to give you more of the answers that you guys are looking for. We know what are those divides that you're seeking to bridge and how can you know, I and we at, uh, at Bridging Divides uh, go out and find those people that are, that are uh, overcoming those challenges that you're looking to, to overcome. So thank you so much. We look forward to talking to you again and stay amazing.